Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Bedrock. How's everyone doing? Hey, happy Father's Day. Dads, I, I just want to tell you that life without you would be like a broken pencil. It's just pointless. And so uh, there, there's our dad joke for the day. We got that in there, and now we can move on, right? Um, but I am excited to be with you and to be in this message with you, and, and we're going to focus in on the dads. And so um, if you're in here and you're not a dad, that's okay. This message is still for you. We're going to talk about being men and, and the kind of people that God can really use in this world. But I don't know about you, when I, um, when I first had my kids, we have four, Piper's going to be 10 in July, um, I felt totally unprepared. Like, th- there's just kind of like no way to really be prepared. I didn't grow up with kids or little kids in my house, and so I really didn't feel that way. And I don't know if you're in here, has anyone in here ever felt unprepared for anything in life? Maybe you feel unprepared to just be here right now, like you're like, I barely made it. But the deal is, today I, I want to take a look at how not what you do, but who you are will really determine being prepared. Like you can walk into any situation and really get through that situation if we really focus in on who we are. In fact, when I was a first time dad, I, I, there's kind of like a, a confession, I guess. So um, b- before I had kids, I had never held a baby. Like people would be at like events and things like that. And, you know, everyone wants you to hold their baby for some reason. And so they'd be like, do you want to hold the baby? And I'd be like, nah, I'm good. Like you hold the baby. I'll look at the baby from a distance. That's fine. I was always just so worried that this like baby was going to die if I held it. And so I just didn't want to hold any babies. And then I was like, what if they throw up on me? What if they burp on me? What if they start crying? What if uh, there's boogers everywhere? Like I don't want to do this. And so uh, we were getting ready to have Piper, and my cousin, his son, was born just a few months before Piper. And so we were down here, we were visiting, and this is when you could still go to the hospital and visit people. And so Kelsey and I went to the hospital, and of course, when we got there, I knew it was coming. I was nervous. I knew it was going to happen. We walk into the room, and you know, Kelsey scoops the baby up and is like, oh, you know, this is so great. And then they're like, hey, do you want to hold the baby? And I was like, no, I don't want to hold that baby. And Kelsey kind of looked at me like, you're going to hold the baby. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? I do want to hold the baby, um, but I'm going to need to sit down. I'm going to need to sit down. You're going to have to place the baby in my hands very gently. And then if we could get like a crash pad around me in case this baby freaks out and I can't hold on to it like a fish or something, you know, like things happen. And so I end up holding this baby, and it works out fine. I was shaking so hard because uh, I was nervous. The baby went right to sleep. It was like a little massage chair, you know. <laughs> but what I realized is, is that I really didn't need to necessarily know how to hold a baby. I just needed to know how to be careful and to care. You know, and jump forward years later, I go to a pregnancy center here in town, and I was tasked with the idea of launching a men's program and a dad's program, and so I did that, and I remember just talking to all of these guys, and I said this, and, and this is what I really believe is true. So this Father's Day message will apply to all the dads, but if you really want to create great fathers, you have to create great men. 
Great men make great dads. You can teach a bad person how to hold a baby, and all it is is a bad person holding a baby, right? It, it, the, the, the mechanics of fatherhood and those kinds of things are, are, tend to be a little bit easier. What the reality is is when we become men of character and men that, that can walk into any situation, and you don't have to be prepared with all the know-how because you have the character to get through it. And so today, that's really what we're going to focus on. We're going to take a look at probably one of the most important dads in the Bible. Now, this dad, he doesn't get a lot of airtime in the Bible. In fact, there's really only 16 verses that mention him. And you're like, how is this guy so important and he only gets 16 verses? Like, he can't be that important. Well, his name was Joseph, and he was the father of Jesus. And if you think about it, like if you're going to bring in the son of God into the world, like you got to be a pretty good person. You got to be pretty prepared. But like the reality is, is Joseph was more unprepared than anybody, right? Mary and Joseph hadn't even had sex and now she's pregnant. There's no way to be prepared for that, right? At least if you're like doing that, you know, hey, this is a possibility. But Mary and Joseph were just engaged to be married and then Mary shows up and she's pregnant. And so when we look at this, we, we look at this moment and we see how Joseph responds. And what we're going to see is more than him being a good dad, he was a great man. And so today, that's what we're going to take a look at. So we're going to be in the gospel of Matthew and Luke. Those are the only places that Joseph is really mentioned. By name, Joseph is mentioned in those two gospels. And so if you have a Bible with you, open up to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. The words will be right there on the screen for you. Now, listen to what the Bible says, starting in verse 18 of chapter 1 of Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So in modern language, they were engaged, right? They were going to get married. But before they came together, that's a biblical way of saying before they had sex, before they consummated the marriage, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. You're like, okay, this is deep. There's a little bit of turmoil going on. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was going to break off the engagement. And I think for a lot of us, you can understand that, right? You can understand, like, my fiance is pregnant and we've never had sex. They're, like, something's going on. Something's not going well. And then she's like, well, I'm, I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit. And you're like, you're right, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because what happens in the story, Luke lets us in on this little detail, is Mary gets a vision from an angel, and she says, the angel says, look, you're going to get pregnant, and you're going to bear the Son of God, the Messiah. He's coming into the world, and you, we've chosen you to do this. And so Mary goes and leaves her area, leaves Nazareth, leaves this area, leaves, and goes to her cousin Elizabeth, who births John the Baptist, right? And what happens is, is that she's there for three and a half months. So when Mary shows back up in town, she's showing. People are like, did you eat a lot of bread while you were there? Like, uh, what, is there something going on, Mary? And she's like, yeah, uh, it's not a food baby, right? Like, it's, it's a real baby. And so Joseph decides, look, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. This is embarrassing, but I'm going to do this in the right way. And one of the things that you notice about Joseph is, is this is a hard situation, right? I'm sure that Joseph was completely excited about getting married. I'm sure that he couldn't wait to move on in this part of his life and to build a family and do all of these things. And 
And in this moment, I'm sure that he loved Mary, but here's the deal. The reason why Joseph was such an incredible man is because he had the fortitude to do what was right. Incredible men, great men, incredible fathers have the fortitude to do what is right, even when it's the hard thing to do. Because this was going to be a messy situation. This was going to be hard. And honestly, Joseph had every right in this moment to embarrass, shame, and even sometimes kill Mary. He had every right to do that. He wouldn't be in the wrong in this culture. But here's the deal. Not only did Joseph have the fortitude to do what was right, he was able to do it with grace. Those two combinations, the fortitude to do what is right and to do it through grace and with grace, makes incredible men and women. Right? The reality is, is these two characteristics aren't just like these are just for men. Men do what is right. And then they, they also are doing it graciously. This is to be incredible people. But because Joseph was a, a man of God and he followed the law, he had the fortitude to do what was right. But notice what the text says in verse 19. It says this, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, so he has fortitude, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to cancel her. If you're going to, like, he didn't want to put her on blast on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. What Joseph wanted to do was to say, hey, I'm going to do the right thing. You've definitely fooled around in his mind. He goes, you've definitely fooled around. You definitely did something while you were gone for three and a half months. And listen, I don't want any of that mess, but I'm not going to embarrass you in the process, even though it's my right. And, you know, this is really important when it comes to parenting, because this idea of being able to not only do the right thing, but to do it with grace really affects the way that you and I parent. Right. Because there's a difference in the way that you can parent. And we're going to talk about this in a few weeks. Actually, there's law based parenting and there's grace based parenting. Both have rules, both have things in it, but one really allows you to be human and the other one does not. See, a law-based parenting, and this may be for what a lot of us parenting is like, because it's, it's our tendency to go this way. We like laws. So here's what law-based parenting does. Law-based parenting generally punishes what is wrong and doesn't reward what is right. Right? So, so this type of parenting, law-based parenting, is all about, like, Moving away backwards from the things that you shouldn't be doing, but never truly rewards you for what is right. Right? This is like the parenting when you get the report card and you come home and you've got all A's and a C. And all they can do is talk about the C. Right? This is the kind of parenting that like when you don't make your bed, it's brought up. But when you do, it's not rewarded. Law-based parenting does not lead to joy. It creates a rule-based system of comparison in which you really can't ever get ahead because you're always punished for what is going wrong. That's what we want to do. We want to teach you to not do what is wrong. And there is no distinction in law-based parenting between mistakes and the actual law of God. So yes, when we break the law of God, the Ten Commandments, there is punishment that comes into those things. There is this deal, but the reality is, is why does God do this? To lead us to what? Repentance. The purpose of God is not just to punish people, but that 
through his love and through his grace that he would lead us to repentance. And that is the big difference between law-based and grace-based parenting. See, grace-based parenting is less about punishment and more about understanding and moving forward. It's about teaching the right thing, not just punishing the wrong thing. So what grace-based parenting does is goes, yes, there's laws and there are things that are not okay to break. But the reality is, is we are all human and make mistakes. Notice that what Joseph does here, when he deals with Mary, he takes a grace-based approach. I'm going to tell you, he's going to be a good dad. Because what this was more about was not just punishing Mary, but also moving forward in a way. He didn't want to ruin her life. He wants to use this as a teaching moment. Now, there's still consequences and things like that. Absolutely. But what is the point of, of this moment other than to just punish her? If he wanted to punish her, he would shame her publicly and do all of these things. And some of you have been in that part of your life. Some of us, that's the way we're parenting because that's the way we were raised. See, because law-based parenting generally comes out of hurt. It comes out of these places of our life where you as the parent were hurt in some way in your life. And so what you do is you create laws so that your kids won't walk into that hurt again. Rather than really teaching them and giving them understanding of what to do, all you're doing is making laws about what not to do. And the problem with that is that you have to have a law for every situation because you haven't really taught your children how to walk through life. Grace-based parenting goes beyond the situation and helps our kids understand things. And this is why I think Joseph is a great dad because he's a great man. Because what he does is he has the fortitude to do what is right. He's going to do the right thing, but he's going to do it in the most gracious way possible. That is a great man. And because of that, he becomes a great dad. And see, what we have to understand is, is that when, when I was doing these dad's classes and when I was teaching these men how to, how to be dads, the reality is, as I said, we got to teach you how to be men first. But here's what I want every dad and man and really person in this room to hear today. There's greatness inside of you. Everything that you need to be an incredible father, to be an incredible man, to be an incredible human being exists inside of you. Our job is to help you discover that. Our job is to help you realize those things and how to be a principle-based person, not a methodology-based person. That these are the things that are going to guide you and direct you. And so here's what I don't want you to hear. As I talk about law-based parenting, this isn't law-based teaching. This is grace-based teaching. And here's what I want you to hear. You have everything inside of you right now to be an incredible dad, an incredible mom, and an incredible human being. It's in there. We just have to help you discover it. And so Joseph is this guy who has the fortitude to do what is right, and he's able to be gracious. And that's the way that we want to walk through here today. See, most Father's Day messages, do you guys know this? Father's Day is the least attended Sunday of the year. Look around. This room was full last night. Father's Day is the least attended day, Sunday, of the year. Why is that? Because dads don't feel like they can belong in church anymore. Because we've been hammering dads for way too long. Instead of encouraging men and building men up, we've been pummeling them and they go, I don't really want to go to that. I don't want to hear how I'm not a great dad today. 
I need to be encouraged today. And so here's what I want to tell you, Dad. You have everything inside of you to do this. There's greatness inside of you. And so as Joseph goes, and, and Joseph's not just this guy who, like, is super, super special. He's an average Joe, pun intended, right? He's an average Joe, right? He is this guy. Yeah, dad joke number three. Here we go. And so he is this guy who there is nothing that the Bible says about him that made you go, man, he's super strong. He's super wise. He's super wealthy. He's all of these things. All we see is the characteristics of a godly man inside of Joseph. And so as we continue on in the passage, here's what goes on. So Joseph is, goes, look, I'm going to consider this in my heart. I'm going to divorce Mary. So an angel has to intervene. An angel goes, hey, Joseph, I'm going to show up. I got to tell you some things. Okay, here's the deal. Mary's pregnant, yes, but she didn't mess up. God has called her and chosen her to carry the Son of God, the Messiah of the world. <clears throat> and so what the angel says is, don't divorce her. Don't end this. In fact, bring her into your life. Bring her into this, this world and be, fulfill what is going on. And so we see this next characteristic of Joseph, which is incredible, is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. When Joseph woke up from that dream, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. Here's the deal. Joseph was completely right in his understanding of the law and everything in it. But God brought something new to give him a new understanding. And Joseph responded. Here's the deal. Joseph was teachable. Joseph realized like, hey, I don't have this all figured out. I don't have this complete like manhood and life thing figured out. And so when God brings something new like a vision from an angel in a dream and there's new information, I'm going to have to get off of the, the thing that I thought I knew and move to the thing that's now true. Joseph was teachable. Here's the deal. If you and I aren't teachable, you will always just lead people to your wrongs. If you can't move past some of the things that you know and understand, and if the statement is always, well, this is how we've always done it. So it's always been broke, is what you just told me. Or it used to work, but things change. You're married to a method and not a principle. And so what Joseph does is Joseph receives new information and he responds accordingly. He's teachable. See, Mary was three and a half months pregnant. She's showing. And even at his own expense, he was willing to learn and see something new and to take on a, a moment of ridicule within his own life. Because not only was he teachable, he could move into a new direction. He could hear new information and go, you know what? I'm not so prideful that what I believe to be true is right. When God reveals something new, I will move to it. Dads, men, we have to be teachable. We have to be able to move forward in this life and to move off of the things that we thought to be true if new information comes. And the only way to truly be teachable in this life is what we see in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. Look at what the Bible says. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord had appeared to Joseph in a dream. The Magi have just visited Mary and Joseph. They bring all of these gifts. They bring all of these things for them in this moment. And what they're going to do is they're honoring, right? They're bringing money, 
and incense and myrrh and frankincense, and they are honoring Jesus as a king. And I don't know about you, but like there's a part of you when people really worship your kids, you feel very proud. Right? Like, I'm just going to tell you, like, Piper just got second place in the entire state of Florida for a piece of drawing that she did. In the whole state, she got second place. Here's the deal. I was so proud because I was so proud that everyone recognized her. And if I'm not careful in my flesh, I'll make that about me. Man, I'm awesome. That's my kid. I made that kid. Yeah. I can't draw, but she can draw. Like, here's the deal, guys. I can't draw for anything, like at all. Like, she beats me now, right? She's in second grade, and she'll roast me. Like, I saw her drawing. I was like, is that a picture? Or is that, that's a drawing? Okay, what are you using? You're using these pastel water things? Oh, my God. I hyperventilated. I was actually in the school, and they had all this artwork hanging before it was submitted. And I walked in, and I looked, and I looked at this painting, and I was like, that's really good. That's in the second grade? Who is that? Piper. Oh, shoot! Right? I was like, yeah. But here's the deal. The reality is, is that you have to realize, like, when you have this son that everyone else is worshiping, you have a tendency to get your identity in that. You're living through your children, not for who God has called you to be. And great men don't live through their children. They encourage their children. So when they had gone, and the Magi left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Another dream. Okay? Like, they want to be very clear to speak to Joseph to where he'll understand. And it says this. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Verse 14. So he got up. He took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where they stayed until the death of Herod. If you're a Bible nerd, this should bring you back to a story in the Bible. This should remind us of the story of Moses. This should remind us of this moment where God had a, a little baby named Moses and Pharaoh was going to kill the sons of Israel again. And what was, what was Moses' job? Moses was called by God for a great calling, for he was to bring Israel out of their slavery from Egypt. And so what the biblical authors are doing and what I believe God is doing is saying, yes, Moses called you out of your slavery to Egypt, but Jesus is going to call you out of your slavery to sin. And so out of Egypt, I will call him and prepare him. And for the biblical hearers and for you and I, we can go back and go, oh, so what? Jesus is the greater Moses. Where Moses just brought you out of human slavery, Jesus brings us out of death. And so they flee and they go. But I want you to notice when they do it. They do it at night. They do it immediately. And I don't know about you, but like if I just had the son of God on my side and I just got all this money and I got all these incense and I got all of these things and people just worshiped him as a king, I'd be real prideful. See, the, the key to being teachable is to be humble. And Joseph is humble. Notice what Joseph didn't do. Jo Joseph doesn't answer back in the dream and go, hey, you chose me. Like, aren't I strong enough? Aren't I smart enough? Aren't we rich enough now? Why can't I stay here? This is my home. This is my place. So Herod and what army will kill the son of God? God, don't you think I'm enough? 
Don't you think I'm, I'm strong enough to deal with this? That any enemy that would come against our, like my son and your son, you don't think that I'd kill them? You don't think I'd take care of them? And God goes, no, the enemy that you're facing is far greater. And so here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Run. Run. Move. Go. Know your limits. And Joseph immediately responds and doesn't talk back to God and go, well, what am I supposed to do? He goes, okay, I get it because I'm humble. You see the humility of Joseph in this moment. You see that he decided that he didn't have to fight every enemy, that sometimes he had to flee from them. Men have this insatiable need for some reason to fight everybody. My brother, he's a lot taller than me. My brother's like 6'4". I'm like six foot. My brother's six four. Every time we would go to like any place, like I would go visit him at college. He'd be like, let's go to the bar. I'd be like, okay, let's go to the bar again. Okay. We'd walk in. There's always a dude in the bar who wants to fight my brother. Why? Because he's big. Everywhere we go. In fact, just a few weeks ago, my brother was, not, it wasn't even a bar, it was like at a restaurant, and this guy was really giving the, the uh, waitresses a really hard time just being one of those guys, you know, not a man, but a boy. And so my brother said, hey, bro, like, this guy was real drunk, and he goes, look, you just need to lay off and, like, leave these ladies alone and chill out. And the guy's like, you want to fight? My brother's like, no, I don't want to fight, I just want you to leave these ladies alone. And he's like, let's go. And he stands up. And my brother's like, okay. And then my brother stands up. And he looks down at him. And his friends go, yeah, today's not the fighting day. Let's, let's get out of here. But here's the deal. That, that's a man thing. It's like somehow we have to prove ourselves constantly by killing the biggest thing in the room. And sometimes the biggest thing in the room will kill you. And this is the way we treat our sin. This is the way that we treat the things that are coming against us with sort of the biggest things in our life. So instead of getting accountability, instead of getting people around you that can help you fight the war that you're in, you just say, I can slay that. And what happens? Every time you fall into that sin, you say the same prayer. God, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And God, I think, laughs from heaven and goes, you couldn't kill that in the first place. What makes you think you can kill it now? There are some enemies that you're not called to fight. You're called to run. Joseph understood this because Joseph realized he had nothing to prove. And so Joseph ran with his son and saved his life. In fact, a few years ago, up in Virginia where we lived, we lived in Lynchburg, Virginia. And when you're in that area, we were about two hours outside of D.C., you get a lot of government contractors and people in that area. And I was up at the school, and <clears throat> I joined a shooting range, and I was shooting competitively. And I had met a couple guys who were in the Secret Service. And they were teaching me how to shoot and do all of these things. And I was talking to him. I was like, man, you guys are so good. You guys are like the best fighters in the world. And he said, nah, we're not really. We're the best escape artists. I said, what do you mean, man? He said, we only fight when we have to. We really train how to get away. Everything that we do is, we, yes, we know how to point a gun at somebody. We know how to do that. We know how to engage a fight if it's the last resort. But what we really practice and what we really go through everywhere we go is how to get away quickly. These are the strongest dudes in the world. These are the dudes that protect presidents. These are the people who protect incredible people, and all they're talking to me about is how to get away. See, because what they realize is, is you may have all the guns, you may have all the training, you may be the strongest guys in the room, but one day you're probably going to meet someone stronger than you. One day. 
you're probably going to meet someone who's going to get you. And the reality is what they realize is this, we don't want to get in the fight. We want to get away from it. What does that take when you're the best? Humility. Could those guys fight anybody? I'm sure that they could. Could they take care of anybody? I'm sure. That's why they have the job. But the reality is they realize it's better to run at times than it is to stay and fight. Now, if they have to fight, they're ready. If they have to fight, they'll engage. But the reality is they're going to avoid as much as possible. Men, that's the same thing in here. You don't have to fight every battle for your kids. Some of those, you just got to get your kids away. You don't have to overcome everything in your life. Sometimes you just got to get away. You say, oh, that's a wuss thing. No, it's not. It's a smart thing. It's what you realize is that the enemy is far superior and knows exactly what will get you and knows exactly what will come against you. And he's more clever than you think because every day that you repent, the next day you do the same thing. He's that good. He's that good. In fact, even some days when you repent, you'll do the same thing the same day. That's how good the enemy is. And what God says is, look, it's not for you to fight. It's for you to flee. I'll take care of the rest. I'll deal with the rest. And so if you want to be this incredible man and you want to be a teachable person who will be gracious in the way that you do things, but be, have fortitude to do what is right, then here's the deal. You're going to have to be humble. You're going to have to be humble. And not only that, we're going to jump over to the Gospel of Luke now in chapter 2. Luke tells us a different part of the story that I think really brings something home for us. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> so this is before Jesus is born. Luke lets us into a little bit of a story. This guy named Caesar Augustus, he's the ruler of the Roman Empire, decides, you know what? We need to count our people. We need to figure out who's here. So he calls for a census. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. To Bethlehem, the town of David, because he longed to, or here, he belonged to the house in the line of David, which is prophecy. He went through the register, went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, who was expecting a child. <clears throat> Guys, all the dads in here, you've been on a road trip with someone who's pregnant, correct? There's a lot of stops. You're trying to get somewhere, and you, I gotta go to the bathroom again. I'm hungry. And listen, I know it's hard. We've done it with four kids. It's hard. Like it's really hard. But the reality is, is like there's part of this like scenario where you have to have the endurance to do what is right. You have to have the endurance to do what is needed. And so for Mary and Joseph to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, it was 90 miles, 90 miles, but not like on a paved road. It's 90 miles through the wilderness, through the desert, through mountains and up hills and all of these things. And the reality is, is Joseph got Mary a donkey, but Joseph is going to walk 90 miles. And this journey took them over a week to complete. <clears throat> if they were traveling at two and a half miles an hour, which is probably about what they were doing, <clears throat> to do this in a week, they would have to walk for eight hours a day. But see, Joseph had the fortitude to do what was right. And when you have the fortitude to do what is right, you have to have the endurance to see it through. And Joseph had the endurance to get through this. But then finally... Through all of this, through everything that we see in Joseph and what made him an incredible man is this. He remained present. Joseph had every opportunity to leave. Joseph had every opportunity to go somewhere else. Joseph had multiple opportunities where he would have been in the right to leave. 
you're pregnant, we haven't even been together yet, I'm out of here. We got to take like you from here to there. We're not even married yet, but I'm, I'm going to take you 90 miles to go here. You did this or did that, like I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going to move on from here. But here's the reality. The greatest gift that you can give people in this world is your presence. Men, we need you. It's time for us to step up. I know that the culture is diminishing you. I know that the dad is always the idiot in the sitcom. I know that men aren't looked at as valuable in our culture right now. I know that we're being torn down. And I know that we're called out for all the things that we do wrong and never for the things that we do right. I know that. But you're built for this time. You're stronger than this. Because you have the fortitude to do what is right. You're able to be gracious in those moments. You will be teachable. You are humble. And you have endurance. And you're going to remain present. And the reality is, is the world needs you now more than ever. The world needs us as godly men to step forward more than ever. For you were created for a time such as this. And so we can't keep fooling around with the things that we're fooling around with. We got to get in the battle because here's the deal. There's greatness in you. Everything that you need to be an incredible person and dad is in you right now. And I believe if you follow these things, like if you do these things, you'll be an incredible person. Because there's greatness in you. All you need to do is choose and you can do that. So here's the deal. What do we need to do? We need to have the fortitude to do what is right. We need to be able to be gracious, teachable, humble, have the endurance to do what is right and remain present. And when you do all of those things, let me just tell you who you'll be. Go to the next slide. You'll be a father. You'll be a father. You'll be the one who's ready. You'll be the one who's called. You'll be the one who can endure every situation. And although you don't know what is coming, you'll be ready. And so everything inside of you has to be ready for this. And it's in you. God has created you for it. You weren't made by mistake. You don't have your kids by mistake. You're not called to this time by mistake. You are appointed. Men, it is time. And you've been battered. And I know that you've been pushed down and you've been told how all the things that you do is wrong. And it's just not true. We're just listening to the wrong voice. It's time to engage. It's time to move forward. Because the time is now. Our kids, our, our spouses, our city, our church need us. And it's time to step forward because you can do everything that God has called us to do. Because of that. And because of that, we are actually entering into a brand new series starting next week. Because here's the deal. The nuclear family in our culture is under the most attack it's ever been under. Like the family and, and who we are and how we operate and how we love one another. And listen, I know a lot of people in here, Father's Day is hard for you because you got a lot of dad wounds. I know that uh, like this is going on and we got to forgive our parents and we got to move forward. And so we're going to start this brand new series that I hope you will be a part of to really talk about how we can refocus on the family. Check out this video.
starting next week, we're going to be starting a brand new series called Family Focus. We're going to be talking about how to be incredible families. And you say, oh, I don't have kids yet and there's none on the way. Don't worry, you can get prepared. You can learn to forgive your parents. You can learn to forgive these things. And maybe you're in this room and you go, you know what, Pastor Blake, it's not that I need to get prepared. I've just messed up too much. It's never too late. Dad in here that you feel like your kids don't want to be around you. You feel like your wife doesn't want to be around you. Maybe everything's broken. You haven't seen your kids in years. It's never too late to move forward. Have the fortitude to do what is right and to do it graciously and be teachable and be humble and have the endurance to persevere to do what you need to do and remain present in your family lives. Look, if you're not dead, God's not done. And so I want to just tell you, men, there's not a moment here where you got to give up. There's a moment here where we got to re-engage. You have everything inside of you to be great. So we just got to realize it. And that's what this series is going to do. And normally we do a song and we sing and do all of these things. But I just actually want to pray a blessing over us as a church as we get ready to head out of here. And I know you got lunches and all kinds of things prepared to celebrate dad. And so everyone in here, do me a favor. Celebrate dad really big today. He needs it. He needs it. It's hard to be a dad today. It's hard to be a man of God in today's times. And let's just do ourselves a favor. Let's just not make today about celebrating. Let's uplift these men in our lives because they've got a high call in their lives. So let me pray. Father, we love you.